This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Happy Resurrection Day, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We're going to have an awesome service. A lot of good stuff planned today. Pastor Alyssa from the Vineyard Church is with us today. We're so glad that she's here. So glad that you, church family, are joining with us. HCWC family, wave and welcome them. We are so glad that you're all with us together. We're going to celebrate that Jesus is alive. Now we're doing communion together today, so make sure that you get your communion elements. It's about the heart, so grab what you have. Uh, we did put it online, so try to be prepared, but make sure that you're ready for it later on in service. This is an amazing day for us to celebrate together. Amen. So tag somebody, get them to tune in right now and join with us. We are celebrating the greatest day in history. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, this morning, I'm excited to welcome Pastor Alyssa from the Vineyard Church. She's going to help us lead worship, so feel free to worship right there where you are, and let's sing together. The King of all creation set aside His crown to the Father's love
everybody that was a powerful time of worship we're going to go ahead and get into our easter message today i am really excited because as i've said all week long this truly is the greatest day in history and i know right now that as the world seems like a dark place like as the world seems like there's so much bad going on listen this is a day of resurrection this is a day of hope when things that were dead can be brought back to life when things that were hopeless can be turned around when god can come in and do a miracle to change everything and that's the beauty of the Easter story, the resurrection story, is just when things looked like they couldn't get any worse. When the disciples, I mean, it seemed like everything was lost, like Jesus was gone. The one thing that they could cling to, the one thing that they had left was taken away. It seemed like it couldn't get any worse. But then he comes back and I'm telling you right now in your life, it may seem like I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know how it could get any worse. Don't think like that. You need to realize that today is a beautiful resurrection day that God wants to do something in your life. But you have got to submit. You've got to give your heart to him. And so we're going to kind of look at a few things here today. And, and this sermon is titled Lessons from the Easter Story, Lessons from the Easter Story. And we're going to look at just a, a, a few things, just a few. There's so many things you could go with, but a few things that we can pick up from this story. And they are absolutely powerful for your life today. So let's pray. We're going to get into this. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful resurrection day. And Lord, we know that you have some amazing things in store for us, amazing things planned that you want to get through to us. So I pray that we will ignore any distractions that are going on. We'll, we'll shut off any other noise, any other TV or electronic, whatever else that would try to come in and disturb us and distract from the word of God right now. And we will listen to you. And Jesus, I pray that you will have your way during this message today, during this service, and you will reach us exactly where we're at. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Christianity, obviously, this is one of the biggest days of our entire year. This Easter, this resurrection story, and, and you know, there's been so much talk over the last few weeks of, well, you know, they're taking Easter away from us. Listen, nobody is taking the resurrection away from me. I don't care if I'm at my house or where I am. Nobody can steal Jesus and the power of the resurrection away from me. So if that's been your attitude, if you've been sad because you couldn't get out or you couldn't let the kids do their egg hunt, listen, nobody took Jesus away from you. Nobody can take him away. And, and, and we're going to look at some things here. But but listen, this is an awesome day. If you've been feeling down, if you've been feeling in the dumps, if you've been feeling like, man, it's just one thing after another, lose that attitude, check that out the door and tune in for what Jesus is wanting to say today. And so we're going to look at a few lessons from the Easter story. Now, on the surface, this may not seem super deep or super theological, but one of my main goals in life is to get people to really grasp the elementary basics of our faith. There's so many people that are, uh, they, you know, their, their main concern is, man, what can the next deep thing be? What can the next 
great big revelation or, or how could I impress everybody with my super deep knowledge? And that's not where I'm at. I want you to fully grasp and apply and walk in maybe the basic things that you've known for a long time. And so we're going to look at a few things here. The first thing is this. Number one, lessons from the Easter story. Number one, God truly loves us. God truly loves us. Now, we may think, well, I've heard that my whole life. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And maybe you've heard it a million times. But there's a lot of people that have lost sight of this very basic foundational truth. And a, a key verse. Let's look at this. John three sixteen. John. I mean, most of you guys could probably quote this already. John three sixteen. And this is, of course, one of the first verses that we probably ever learned in Sunday school or whatever else. But don't let this fly over your head. It says this for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You've probably heard that a million times, but listen, that's a lot of love. There's a lot of people I love. There's a lot of people watching. I care about you. I love you. I would go to great lengths to be there for you. But there's one thing I wouldn't do. There's none of you watching that I would just give my own children up for to pay the price for your sins. I wouldn't do it. And you may think, well, that's, you know, that's that's not very nice. I love you. And I would maybe lay down my life for a lot of people, but I would not give my children away to pay the price for somebody else's sin as much as I love you. But that's the love of God that he sent his only son, his only begotten son. And, you know, it's not like, well, he had 50 only begotten sons to choose from. So he just picked Jesus out of the bunch. Jesus was the very best thing that God had to give. And he gave it all. Why? Because love gives. That's one component of love. Love gives and love sacrifices. And that's what Jesus did. And and, and we're looking at that and like, well, I can understand how you do that for some people. I mean, some people really are good and they don't really have that many sins. And you may think that way, but we know that nobody's perfect and everybody's sinned. And here's the thing that God didn't wait to send Jesus until we had it all together and we deserved Jesus because not one of us will ever deserve Jesus. And Romans puts it this way. We're going to flip to Romans chapter five, verses six through eight. Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, and I think this words it perfectly for what we need to understand today. Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. He didn't send Christ to die when we got it all together or when he felt we had finally earned it and deserved it. He showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were at our very worst. You know, that's what Jesus came for. He came for us in our worst Moments, And you can maybe look back over your life and think of some real low points. And man, if I was ever bad, that's when I was bad. And listen, 
Jesus came for you at that moment, not in your best moment. He came when we were still sinners and nobody deserved him. And, you know, there's been arguments over time, you know, well, this group killed Jesus and this group took his life away. And, and if only the Jewish leaders had not been like this, they took Jesus life. And Jesus settled that argument a long time ago because he very clearly told us in John 10, 18, nobody can take my life away from me. I'm giving it away. I'm laying my life down. Nobody stole Jesus' life. You can't steal from someone that's going to give it to you anyway. How silly would it be if I stood outside, and not during the quarantine, but sometime when it was a quarantine, just handing out $100 bills? How stupid would it be if somebody came up and, and took one and went bragging to all their friends, look what I stole from that guy. I stole $100 off of him. And everybody would say, you didn't steal it. He gave that away. That was a gift. And so I'm telling us today that we have received the greatest gift ever, that Jesus came when we were at our very worst, our lowest moment, and gave his life away. And even at my best moment, I couldn't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. I couldn't pay for it. Jesus gave his life when we were at our worst. So what am I saying? God truly, truly loves us us and we will never fully comprehend that love the second thing i'm saying and this is a beautiful message a beautiful point for everybody is that god will give us another chance i am very grateful that i serve a god of second chances third chances fourth chances one thousandth chances i'm glad that i'm not playing on the three strike system with jesus and he said no that's your third strike man you are done it doesn't count anymore. No way. He's not like that. He's the God of giving us another chance. Now, one of the very interesting aspects of the Easter story is this guy named Peter. And if you've studied the Bible very much, you've definitely read some about Peter. So Jesus had his, tw his 12 main disciples. But within that group, he had three guys that were his closest companions, Peter, James and John. And no doubt. Peter was one of Jesus' very, very best and closest friends. And if you're looking at Peter's life, you can't look at it and say, oh, I know why Jesus picked him. He was a saint, man. He was perfect. He had it all together. No, Jesus picked Peter when he was a loud mouth, rude, crude just rough around the edges sailor. There was nothing about Peter that said, oh, this is, this guy's perfect. This guy's going to go change the world. Peter was a roughneck that was out there just living a rough life. And Jesus calls him one day along with his brother and says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will teach you how to fish for people. And Peter's like, hey, what do I got to lose? He just joins Jesus. And over the course of those few years, Jesus molds this rough guy into a disciple and into a world changer. Now, I want to show you here in Matthew chapter 26, Matthew 26, uh, we're going to go down to verse 33. This entire chapter is just incredible as we're studying the Easter story. But but here we are, Matthew 26. And and Peter, he was just always uh, just quick to speak. He did not have any trouble uh, holding back. He had no trouble uh, 
not telling you what was on his mind. You didn't have to wonder what Peter was thinking because he was just going to say it. And Matthew 26, starting at verse 33, I'm going I'm to read this out of the Living Bible. I like the way this is worded. It says, Peter declared, if everyone else deserts you, I won't. So basically, I don't know if he's throwing the other disciples under the bus or what, but he's like, I don't know about these guys, Jesus, but don't worry about me. I've got you. I am not going to desert you. I can't speak for them, but I can speak for me. I'll never leave you. I will never desert you. But look at this. Verse 34. Jesus told him the truth is that this very night before the rooster crows at dawn, at dawn, you will deny me three times. So Peter says, I would never leave you. I would never desert you. And he's like, before morning, before the sun rises, Peter, you're going to deny you even know me. I mean, that'd be piercing. Peter says, I would die first, Peter insisted. And all the other disciples said the same thing. And so Peter, I mean, he makes a bold proclamation right there and says, I would never. You can count on me. I'd rather die then turn my back on you. And Jesus says, all right, you know, we'll see what happens. So we're going to skip down here in the chapter after Jesus has been arrested. They're putting on this phony middle of the night trial. Who puts a court trial on at midnight or 2 a.m.? I mean, this is ridiculous. There was nothing legit about this trial, but they're 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 trying Jesus. And it's I mean, it's just a, a whole phony thing. But down here, verse 69, Peter's out there in the courtyard with a bunch of other people. You know, what's going on in there? Verse 69. Meanwhile, as Peter was sitting in the courtyard, a girl came over and said to him, you are with Jesus for both of you are from Galilee. But Peter denied it loudly. I don't even know what you're talking about. He angrily declared. Wow. Verse 71, later, out by the gate, another girl noticed him and said to those standing around, Hey, this man was with Jesus from Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. But after a while, the men who had been standing there came over to him and said, We know you're one of his disciples because we can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter began to curse and swear. I don't even know the man, he said. And immediately the rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the rooster crows, Peter, you'll deny me three times. And Peter went away crying bitterly. Can you imagine the feeling the anguish, the emotion, the 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 complete a feeling of, of anxiety and torment that came over Peter right here when he heard that rooster reality set in. Oh my gosh. In Jesus' greatest moment, not only was I not there for him, I said I didn't even know who he was. I totally denied him and left him and abandoned him on his own. What a feeling. What, what what a thing to rush over you. And here goes this tough sailor, this rough, tough guy. I mean, that everybody respects and, and knows, oh, he's a tough guy. He's running out through the middle of the night, weeping bitterly because he did one of the most disgraceful things that anybody can do. 
He was unfaithful in his best friend's moment of need. Now, Jesus made this promise to us, to Peter, to everybody. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And in fact, he ended up in Matthew 28, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. So Jesus promised us in several places in scripture, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be there for you. And then in the end, some of us, we haven't been able to make the same promise to Jesus as he made to us. Just like Peter. Jesus said, Peter, I'll always be there for you. And Peter said, I'll be there for you too. But then he wasn't. Now, we've all been in that spot. I've been in that spot. You've been in that spot where really we did not live for Jesus like he deserved us to live for him. We did not pay back the faithfulness that he had given to us. Do you think Jesus says, you know what, forget this guy. Oh, I, I'm, I'm not going to put up with that. I, I don't have to take this. After all I did for him, he does this for me. Well, that's how human beings act. That's a human attitude. But that's not what Jesus did for Peter. Peter was built back up. Peter was forgiven. Peter was given another chance. And through all of it, can you imagine here you are on on a death row in the middle of the night and you're totally innocent and the person that says they'll be there for you isn't how would that make you feel well jesus said it's okay i listen peter i love you don't worry about it and and a verse that i love is in second timothy 2 13 it's a beautiful verse nearly brings tears to my eyes anytime i read it it says if we are unfaithful he remains faithful why for he cannot deny who he is at the core of who Jesus is. We know that he is love. He is light. There's a lot of things that Jesus is. But one of the core elements to who he is, is faithful. And even if we've been unfaithful, it says he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. And we've all been in Peter's shoes at one point or another. I have you have and maybe you're sitting there today just kicking yourself and, and 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 listening to this story and thinking about a lot of things at this time of life this time of year just examining and you're and you're bringing up all your failures saying man you really blew it there or i can't believe you you don't deserve any of this stuff and 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 that's not what god's saying he's saying listen i want you back Let's let, let's take care of this. I forgive you. Just receive me. Just come back to me. I'm, I'm not mad at you. And there's so many people that have this overwhelming feeling of God is mad at them. And I can tell you right now, God's not mad at you. He just wants you to come home. If your son, your daughter had wandered off and, and been gone and, and been out there just getting kicked around in life and they finally came home. I don't know about you, but for me, I wouldn't be saying, hey, OK, so now you show up. You don't belong here. I'd say, listen, forget all that. I'm just glad you're home. I want you here. And that's the story of the prodigal son. He just wants you home. He's waiting on you. And so lessons from the Easter story. One is that God truly does love us. That's not just something we say to the little kids. That's the truth of the matter. And another thing is he will give us another chance. And the third thing I want to tell you today is God is on our side. 
That's the best news I've heard all year long, because if you've seen anything, unless you've been living under a rock, 2020 has got off to a rough start for the majority of the world. But the good news is this, is that God is on our side. The question is, are you on his side? Are are you living for him? But I know this much. God's on our side. And Romans says that if God is for us, who could be against us? I don't care what comes up against us. If it's some virus, if it's some economic disaster, some foreign enemy, whatever it is, God is on our side. He wants the best for us and he died to give us the best life. So many people, uh, they, they don't fully understand the complete package that salvation is. You need to realize, man, when you receive Jesus, you're getting the deluxe combo. You just supersized your fries, brother, and put some cheese on that Whopper. Listen, salvation is not just your ticket out of hell. Salvation is your ticket to a full and complete life in Jesus. He provides healing. According to Isaiah 53, he was beaten and by his stripes, by his wounds, we have been healed. First Peter 2, 24, the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. He came so we could be healed, so we could be saved from hell, so we could have peace, so we could have joy, so we could have provision in our life. Jesus is the real deal. He's not just some add on from your buy one, get one free coupon. Jesus is the deluxe ultimate package deal for everything that we need. And so a, a, a verse that a lot of us know, I'm just going to have them put this on here. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, their plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So maybe you've been sitting around, well, maybe all this was God's plan. Maybe God had a plan for this to happen in my life, for me to lose this and, and not get this and for these people to leave me and for me to get this. And this. and you're thinking, was this God's plan? Listen, I understand that some bad things happen, but I'm telling you right now, God's plans for our life are for good, not for disaster in your life. If you're living for him. Now, if you're out there being crazy and, and hurting people and being psycho, then I mean, hey, you're on your own on that. But if you're living for God and if you're at least sincerely seeking him, his plans, listen, they're for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Those are his plans. Well, then why hasn't this happened in my life? Then, then why did this happen? God had a very specific set of plans for your life before you were ever even born. He had a path for you to follow. Now, here's the deal. Sometimes we get off that path and bad things happen, but his plan was over here. He knows the plans he has. They were for good, not for evil. But we got off and did our own path and bad things happen. And then we say, well, God, I thought you had good plans. He said, I did have good plans. They were on Interstate 15. You took Interstate 40. And now you're, you're mad at me. You're blaming me. And as silly as that sounds, we got to realize his plans are for good to protect us, to, to provide for us, to bless us, to save us, to give us a good life. And if we're saying, well, I don't know, man, I don't know about none of that happened to me. We got to say, OK, well, am I following God's plan for my life or am I just out there doing whatever makes me feel good at the moment? That's something for us to really consider and think about. But Jesus has his plans. And the final thing that I want to look at here 
is in Luke 22. And this is once again to prove to you how much God loves you and how good his plans are for you. Because you were a part of Jesus' plans 2,000 years ago. You know, when, when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was about to be uh, sold out by Judas, he was betrayed. Somebody that we thought we could trust sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. What a low down thing to do. Well, Jesus is praying in the garden right before the soldiers come and fear comes in and tries to make him walk away from it all. And and and, and he didn't do it. He stuck with it. And and you're like, well, why do you do that? Or how are you serious? Even Jesus was afraid, man. Jesus had fear come against him because Jesus was courageous and Courageous people are people that face fear and overcome it. And Jesus faced this thing and overcame it. But Luke 22, verse 41, once again in the Living Bible, it says he walked away perhaps a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed this prayer. He said, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of horror away from me. But I want your will, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, for he was in such agony of spirit that he broke into a sweat of blood with great drops falling to the ground as he prayed more and more earnestly. Well, I mean, can you imagine being in such a state of anxiety and stress that your body literally begins to sweat blood. And I mean, I've looked this up. You can look it up there. It is possible for the human body in the most extreme moments of anxiety and stress to sweat blood. It has a name, hematoidrosis. And Jesus' body reached this point. Why? Because he was fully aware of what was getting ready to happen. People back then knew what a crucifixion was. We hear that word and we're like, well, that's sad. Jesus got crucified. Man, that stinks. But back then they knew what it meant because they saw it. They saw what a crucifixion was. They saw nails driven. They saw people ripped to shreds and, and bleeding and suffocating, hanging up in front of a crowd on a wooden cross. And it was a shameful thing. It was a shameful thing for this to happen. This was how murderers, rapists, and thieves died. This wasn't how some good person died. But the book of Hebrews says that Jesus took the cross, disregarded the shame, and did it all for us. Why? Because he says, I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans. And if I don't go through with this, if I quit now, if I let fear hold me back now, there's some girl in 2020 that's going to need me in her worst moment. And it's not going to happen. There's some man that's going to, he's right on the edge. He's right on the brink of just ending it all, walking away, quitting, or, or maybe even taking his life. And if I quit, if Satan defeats me right now, what's going to happen? And I'm telling you that Jesus went through with this. He pushed through with it with sweat just dripping down his arms, maybe even coming out of his face already from the sweat. And he said, you know what? No, I'm going to do this. I'm giving these guys another chance. They're worth it. They mean it to me. And there's only one thing that can make somebody do something like this uh, and go through with it voluntarily, not force them voluntarily. Only love. 
to make somebody do something like this. You know, if, if you're trying to do this out of your your pride and out of a dare, well, I said I'd do it. No, that, that's not good enough. You'd ultimately quit. If you're trying to, to do this for some other reason, you would quit. But Jesus did this out of love. And in that moment, he didn't quit. And so I want to close things out today by saying something so simple but true. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So whosoever that believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And today, the day that we celebrate the resurrection, this is the day for you to give it all to Jesus and accept that gift. In a few minutes, we're going to take communion. I hope you've got some bread and some juice or something there to take it with. My dad's going to come on and, and he's got a powerful word over that. And, and, and it's going to be a beautiful resurrection day moment. And at High Desert Word Center, we don't ask that you be a church member here. I know some churches want you to be a member to take with them. And, you know, that's fine. That's that's their house. That's their rules. But for us, we're not asking you to be a member here. But we are asking you to be a member of the body of Christ, to belong to the family of God by receiving Jesus into your heart so you can approach communion the right way. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. Maybe, well, I've prayed that before, but nothing happened or I just kind of walked off. If you've prayed this before and you walked away from God or just forgot about it, pray it again. Today's the day to get that right. Or maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus. What a beautiful day to do it in the midst of resurrection, Easter Sunday, 2020, when the whole world thinks that it's fallen apart. But you get it all together on the inside of your heart. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say this. Say, Father, in Jesus' name. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died. I believe he rose again. I believe he's coming back. Jesus, forgive me for all the wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. This is a new day in Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, man, you reach out. You let us know so we can be in contact with you and help you on your way. We're going to have pastor lead us in some communion right now. And this is a holy moment. I know you're at home. I know it's a little different, but block everything else out. And let's give Jesus the respect he deserves right now. We love you guys. Okay. I, I, I presume you're all getting ready to receive communion. And if not, then while we're sharing a few things out of the word of God, then you'll have time to get the thing set up before you, but Pastor Dave got us set up really good to be able to celebrate this special time together of the death, burial, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, all he's done for us. And I'm, I'm thinking as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in just, just a few minutes, as 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 to 31, actually is what I'm going to be talking from, but as Pastor Dave gave that example of Peter, uh, what a powerful man of God he was, and even Peter he missed it, denied the Lord those three times, and then Jesus forgave him. And Peter, Peter, uh, come to be a powerful man of God. So many wonderful things that we read about in the book of Acts, Peter did. Then, of course, he wrote the two epistles of Peter. And so anyway, if, if Jesus can forgive Peter, he can forgive you and he can forgive me. And we can do all God wants us to do. And at these times we live in, if there's ever a time 
we need, we need to not live under cloud of, uh, a cloud of condemnation or guilt. It is now. And so as I look at the Word of God today, I'm going to approach this from a different angle than really I think I ever have. I'm going to show us more than anything how to prepare our hearts to be able to receive communion by faith. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 says, But let a man examine himself, or we say a woman examine herself, because this is actually talking about mankind, human beings, Christians, examine ourselves, and then let us eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, it actually, uh, in the Greek, if you, if you got to do living translate, says in an unworthy manner, eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself, not necessarily the Lord's body. And so, of course, when we prepare our hearts right, the blood of Jesus makes us worthy. And says, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, or die before their time. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And so I, I want to look at verse 28, at this aspect of judging ourselves, of examining ourselves, and sit out and get positioned to be worthy by the blood of Jesus to receive the Lord's Supper. As born-again Christians, we should always want to have a tender heart and a teachable spirit, but especially important at communion time, we need to make sure our hearts are right with God. And I think about Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. Uh, I'll tell you what it says, and you know, you need to write it down, but as Christians, we need to have a heart like David had. In Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24, David prayed this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And so David had a tender heart before the Lord. And I do want to look at Acts 13, 22. So if you would, turn to that with me, and we need to see this. Matter of fact, Acts 13, 22 I call this my theme verse of my life. I try to live by this. And I, I want Jesus to be able to say this about me, and I, and I hope you do too. But Acts 13, 22, the last part of that verse says this. God said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. And then I think about Psalms 139, when he said, a man after my own heart. David said, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Lead me in the right way to live. And so David, be a man after God's own heart, showed us how our heart needs to be for the Lord. So David took responsibility for his own actions. And he meant to God and man when he blew it. When he said he was willing to take correction and change what he was doing. And I, I know that if you're like me, you're thinking, how could David be a man after God's own heart? We know they committed adultery. And then the man that he sinned against, he had him murdered. And so how could David be a man after God's own heart? Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, kind of gives us some insight. And this is an example for you, an example for me, of the loving kindness of God when you keep a right heart towards God. I'm not saying it's right to commit adultery. It's definitely not right to go murder somebody especially somebody you sinned against, but the goodness of God is beyond human understanding when you purpose to keep a right heart with God. And so 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, after 
Nathan the prophet confronted David by the Spirit of God and told him, God knows what you did. You're guilty. You're that man that did all these ugly things. Then David said, I have sinned against the Lord. And what's, what's the significance of that? I have sinned against the Lord. A lot of public figures today, uh, religious people, politicians, business people, when they're caught doing wrong things, they simply say so many times they'll post it or they'll say it, I'm sorry if what I did offended anybody. I'm sorry if what I did offended anybody. And so they're not sorry for what they did. They're sorry they got caught and other human beings found out about it. But David didn't say, I'm sorry if that offended you, God. First thing he says, I'm sorry I sinned against you, God. And so for us as Christians, if we're going to have a right heart with God, we should be more concerned about what God thinks than what people think. And if we've done things in our lives that maybe nobody even knows about but God, then this is the time we need to get right with God. And so we as Christians at communion time need to be able to examine ourselves with the help of the Holy Spirit and make sure things are right. Another verse I want to look at in Acts chapter 24, verse 16, and I think this will really help you because I know it helps me. And the times we live in right now, the condition of the world, the things our country is going through, things we're going through right here in the high desert of California, if there's ever a time we need to know how to walk close to Jesus, it's now. In Acts chapter 24, as we're prepared to receive Holy Communion, we need, we need to do what Paul did. Acts 24, verse 16. Acts 24, verse 16. Paul said, And herein do I exercise myself. He said, I'll make it this, is my, my, my manner of life, the way I live, to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Toward God and toward man. So this is the lifestyle attitude that pleases God and since you have to receive God's best on a continual basis, to always do your best not to offend God by how you live, what you say, what you do, but also your fellow man. And so when you've done wrong, the first one you should ask for forgiveness from is Jesus. Now I want to look uh, at First Corinthians 11 again before we receive communion. At verse 29, says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily Eat and drink of damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, men are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And so there's a difference between white-voiced and blood-voiced. If you ever saw that that are read, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, there's one scene there, one, one, one story in the book there, when Tom Sawyer had his friends get cheap paint and paint over a fence just to hide the blemish and stuff, just to do a quick cover-up. And then the first rain or windstorm, then they came off, and what they covered up was immediately exposed. And so we have to know that we can't just say, God, I'm sorry, to go back to doing what we're doing. But we need not just be white-voiced, we need to be blood-voiced. And before we stop to examine ourselves, I want to give you another verse, one more. First John 1, 9. Look at this before we stop and pray. In 1 John 1, 9, I know that Pastor Dave led us in a prayer while I go to receive Jesus. 
But this prayer here is not to receive Jesus. This is after you've received Jesus, how to keep yourself clean and have a right heart for Jesus. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that means to cleanse us from sin consciousness. And when we're conscious that we're right with God, it makes it so much easier to receive from God. And so, well, let's just take, let's just take a few minutes and we're going to have, 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 have a little worship going on while we do this. And then we'll receive the elements together. But take the time to search your heart and let Jesus show you if there's anything that you've done or you're doing that's offending him or anything he's dealing with you about to change, start doing something different that you resist him in. But keep your heart tender before the Lord. But let's just worship now and then I'll come back in just a, just a few minutes and then we'll receive the elements together.
All right. I, I trust that your heart's right with the Lord now. You've made adjustments. You've made changes. You didn't just whitewash. But if he dealt about you, dealt with you about some things, that you actually, with an open heart and a clean conscience, talked to him and got things covered by the blood of Jesus. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as we receive now, I've got mine and hold yours up to the Lord as we receive together. But Paul said in verse 23, I've received of the Lord that which also I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night which he betrayed, took bread. When he given thanks, he break and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Jesus, thank you that you did die on the cross for our sins. And Lord, I received that personally. And also, Jesus, you took stripes on your back. The word of God says, by your stripes, we were healed. Thank you, Jesus, for eternal life. Thank you for a new life. Thank you for divine healing and health. Thank you, Jesus. And then verse 25, Paul said, After the same manner also, he took the cup when he supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament, my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, thank you for your blood. Lord, nothing, nothing can wash away my sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can make me whole again, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the cleansing power. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for the life and the blood. Jesus, we do this in remembrance of you. Amen, amen, amen. That's the kind of heart, and that's the kind of prayer that pleases Jesus. We need to live this way every day. Always keep your heart right before God. Amen. All right, everybody, we're going to go ahead and do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And as you can see, we're kind of up here in the kids' room right now. And one thing I've noticed about kids is kids are givers. And one verse we mentioned during our sermon just a little bit ago is that God so loved the world that he gave. One of the aspects of love is giving, and it's definitely uh, touched us, and it's been awesome over the last few weeks. While a lot of uh, the country is going through so much, our church family has been so faithful in their tithes and their offerings, and that just shows us the love that you have for God, because love gives. And I encourage you this morning that as you're giving your tithe and your offering, man, let's do that as we rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus. We are thankful for what he's done. And of course, Jesus told us, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments, John 14, 15. And so I just got to give a big shout out to the family at High Desert Word Center for their love and their faithfulness in their giving. It's been absolutely awesome. Now, at the bottom of the screen there, you'll see the different ways you can give. You can continue to give. Uh, the best way right now is through the website. So check that out. You can even text that phone number right there and give that way. But we are believing God that as you're faithful and you're giving, that he is absolutely being faithful to you. And we're all making it through this together. The financial faith confession today is going to be from the Rice family, John and Tommy and the kids. So let's say that together with them. Love you guys. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, 
settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. That was a powerful service. We want you to enjoy the rest of this day with your family and and make it special. Spend some time together. Amen. Don't forget to stay connected. Make sure that you like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. And let's speak some words of faith over Barstow together. Amen. Let's say this together. We declare that that Barstow Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.